Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Let us pray. O God, our Father, may our hearts be restless until they finally find their rest in Thee. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, what um, a very powerful, powerful set of readings uh, that we have today. If I had my druthers, we'd just preach Romans all the time. But uh, um, it's, they're all tied in together to talk about kind of identity and um, who you are versus who you hoped to be or who, who you hope you will become. Uh, versus who you were. It's all about that. I mean, we, we open up with the prophet Jeremiah. And uh, there we are. We're in Jeremiah 20. We're, we're knee-deep in the prophet by that moment. And if you remember when Jeremiah was called, um, well, he was a little unsure at first, but hey, I'm going to be a prophet of Israel. That ain't a bad thing. Um, but at this point, you realize in Jeremiah's inner monologue, he's dealing with the bait and switch. You know, he thought this was going to be great, but it's wound up it's been really, really hard. It's been awful. It's been awful to follow God in this role as the prophet. You know, he thought he'd be one thing, but he's actually another. Despised. Despised by his nation and his people. And then we see uh, St. Paul speaking about our identities and what our identities actually are when they've been baptized into Jesus and uh, that we uh, become fully righteous right now. But... We still struggle with sin and death and that which we see says everything but righteous. But we continue to appeal back to who we are because of our baptisms and what Christ has done for us. And then we come to our gospel reading that really uh, gets at the very heart of the whole thing by Jesus saying some things that if we're completely honest, they sit, they sit really hard on the ears uh, this is a section of Matthew that I'd like to just skip. Do not think that I've come to bring peace but a sword? Whoa. That statement seems awfully un-Jesus-like. Now, there's a reason, and it's the big idea of my sermon that I want to get across to you today. What Jesus is doing when he says this, these hard words, is that he's articulating the real cost of peace. What peace is actually going to cost you? See, all of us want peace. We want peace in our world. I mean, who doesn't? Especially as this thing in the Eastern Europe begins to really escalate. I mean, who doesn't want peace? We want peace in our communities. We want peace in our families. We want peace for ourselves. You know, we just finished creative arts camp, and uh, when 6.30 p.m. hit this whole week, I just wanted some peace. Put my feet up, you know? However, the issue so often is that you and I want peace on our terms. Typically what happens is that we seek peace by making others the scapegoats and the villains. And if we can just get enough people on our side, this is how we typically deal with things, you know, globally. You know, they're the real bad people and we're the good people. You know, we'd like to make scapegoats and villains out of everybody. Another way we seek peace is through avoidance. 
avoidance. I mean, how many of us haven't spoken to a former friend or a family member, or we have this like real shallow, stale relationship because we'd rather just sit with the elephant in the room than be truly reconciled and deal with it. We also seek peace through our own accomplishments and merits. This is why many of us are here in New York, you know? We've accomplished something, and we find our identity in it. We merit something, and we find our identity in it. And we're longing for some sort of recognition. If I can just get through this and get that recognition, then I'll have peace. Have you ever noticed when you're in the pursuit of something like that? I can tell you personally, this has happened to me. When you're in the pursuit of some sort of recognition and someone else gets recognized, boy, your blood begins to boil. And that was great, congratulations, you know? Am I the only one? But anyway, um, you know, some of us, some of us have been waiting for that peace. We've been waiting for that peace for a long time, and it seems to elude us. And this has caused us to find peace in other things, you know, to self-medicate. And the parish, through the ministry of AA, for almost a century has been deeply involved in saving people from the shackles of addiction brought on by the lost quest for peace. I know for me, sometimes it's just easier to find peace behind the computer screen, you know, scrolling through Instagram, curating my life, looking at you, curating yours, or watching YouTube and living in a virtual world that I think I can actually control. But this is my first point. We seek by ourselves, for ourselves, peace. We want peace on our own terms. However, here's the thing. Peace is always connected to truth. Real peace is always connected to truth. The truth about who we are, the truth about who God is, and on our terms, there is no peace. There can be no peace on our terms because here's what happens. The horizon of satisfaction is constantly moving. It's eluding us in this age as this manufactured peace fails again and again to live up to our expectations. And on one level, on one level I was thinking about this, I would love this sermon to be like a four-part plan A four-part recipe to fix the whole thing. However, sometimes the only thing to do is recognize it. This is what's going on, the turmoil in my life. The peace on my terms is a constant illusion where I want to make people winners and losers, where I want to make people insiders and outsiders. And all I can do is confess it and plead the blood of Jesus and ask for forgiveness, and ask for grace. You see, now here's why. Because it's an asking for forgiveness. It's an asking for grace and wanting peace on my terms that I can actually begin to understand what Jesus is saying to us in our gospel reading. In Jesus' day, you see, the familial relationship was literally everything. This is where we found peace. The stability that came from a son 
living and representing his father. The stability that came from a mother teaching her daughter the ways of the family. The stability that came from a mother-in-law teaching a daughter-in-law how to live into this community. The ideal, the idea that one's foe would come from a household, from a household was offensive. Because a solid household was everything in that community. However, Jesus, as if speaking prophetically today to 21st century Americans, makes the point here that even our own identities must ultimately die. I've heard it preached, whoever does not take up his cross and follow Jesus is not worthy of Jesus. As if it's some sort of like noble choice. As if it's some sort of like spiritual pep talk and now you're finally going to do it. You know? That's not correct. That's not correct because everyone hearing this in Jesus' day would have thought he was way out of his mind. I mean, we have turned the cross into like jewelry, but it was a brutal, brutal instrument of torture that the Romans used to threaten people. They, and we all know how brutal the cross was. No one ever thought, gosh, you know today what I'd like to do? I'd like to take up a cross. That sounds like me. No, a cross is never something you choose. A cross is something you go through that is flung on your back, that leaves you at a place where you might scream, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But it's through that that you begin to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd saying to you, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. No, this is no choice. The cross is not the little inconveniences of life that we push on through on our quest for peace. To grasp what Jesus is actually saying is actually the key and the heart of the Christian faith. Jesus right here is telling his disciples and this crowd, all who would follow him, including you and I, that real peace, everything we are, everything that we have and identify as in this life must ultimately die. It must be nailed, nailed to the cross with Christ. This was the point of St. John the Baptist day yesterday. Remember what he said? I must decrease so that he might increase. We must literally become nothing so that Christ might be everything. Yet, yet in that magnificent defeat, to quote the great theologian Frederick Buchner, we begin to discover who we actually are. We begin to discover whose we are. We begin to discover what life and real freedom, real peace is actually all about. What is being taught here is that Jesus must stand above and in the breach of all things. Because Christ on the cross is our peace. 
As St. Paul writes, he has torn down the walls, the dividing walls of hostility that have stood between us and God. Christ on the cross is your identity, and when he has claimed you as his own, he shares that identity with absolutely nothing, because he is your Lord. Christ on the cross is our reconciliation with not only our family and ourselves, but with God. And Christ on the cross is our courage as our crosses are flung on our backs following him to finally discovering who we truly are and what our identities actually are. Washed in baptism, beloved children of God. That's who you are. This is my second point. Christ must be at the center. Not high on this list of priorities. I was listening to a guy uh, earlier this week, and um, he was like, his, the crescendo of his sermon was, uh, Jesus first, family second, work third, fishing fourth. He didn't say fishing fourth, but I thought that's where he was going. But anyway, uh, but that's not correct. Ultimately in life, it is only Christ It is only Christ and his cross. He must be central in all things, not just the top of a list. Because he's at the top of the list, I begin to kind of, you know, move him down to about seventh. Seventh in a whole lot of things, as opposed to saying, I can't handle this, forgive me. I can't handle this, I need your grace. See, Christ, this is what he means when he says this, he must get between father and son, mother and daughter, He's got to get in between each and every one of us. And he does this so that by the power of his Holy Spirit, through his shed blood, he might bind us together in a peace that passes all understanding, keeping our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of him. To lose your life, to lose your life in the world for the sake of Christ, to die with Jesus and be joined to his cross is to find the one real life who is the truth, the way, and the life. And this is no cheap life. This is no cheap peace that I speak of. For Jesus is the only one who has endured to the end for the sake of all of us to give us that peace. See, this peace, it comes by way of the God who knows that we want peace and that we want life desperately. It's just that on our own, we have no idea where to find it. We're looking for love in all the wrong places, as that song goes. And we'll look for peace in everywhere but him, even as your minister. This is why he's got to be on the top as opposed to part of a list. Yet, I have to remind myself of this truth every day, and I hope you're reminded of it today as well, and even more so as you come up and receive bread and wine, that real life, real peace, comes by way of the God who knows who you are and loves you deeply. The God who loved us first. The God who loves us so much that even the hairs of your head are all counted by him. The God who loves you first. And you've got to remember that as you go through life. It's Jesus first. 
His cross comes first, then your cross. His death comes first, then your death. And it was for the sake of our sin and our salvation that Jesus came under the law, that he refused the easy way of peace and compromise with the world in order to bring us all to the Father. And this is my third point. Never forget this. It was for our sake that Jesus was divided from his Father, which caused Jesus to experience God-forsakenness, the darkness of God's wrath, the suffering of our sin. Jesus took up his cross to lead humanity through his death into life everlasting. And it's the only way for us to live before God, to have real peace with God, to die with Jesus. Not simply to die. Don't hear that, because everyone's going to do that. But to die with Jesus. The big death and all the many deaths in between. To take up your cross and follow Jesus in the way that he goes. Which ultimately leads to eternal life. We're at the end. We're at the end of time. We're at the end of time itself. We will hear him say, peace be with you. However, for now, for now, in the midst of unrest, through the words of a sermon and bread and wine, which are tokens of our salvation, we're reminded that while life can seem tumultuous, while life can seem like a cross, We've already been given the peace of God that passes all understanding. And may it now and always continue to keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is always for you and will never leave you or forsake you. Come what may. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.